and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. experience more life in our prayer life as well in Jesus name amen so we're busy on uh, the topic of prayer and uh, last week we started speaking a little bit about basically praying and getting results and we're going to be talking about that a little bit more and we'll see how far we get Um, but we're wanting to learn more about this because if you look in the New Testament especially Acts Okay, if we look at the book of Acts, you've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you've got Acts. The book of Acts is an historical record of uh, the early church. It's a historical record of what took place when the church started. And it's amazing. Okay, there's some things in there that they're still getting rid of their Jewish tradition. I don't know if you've read it and seen them. If you read through the book of Acts, some of them are getting rid of their Jewish tradition still because they came out of Judaism. Now they, they're letting go of going to the temple. We read it and automatically we think of church when we read temple. Do you do that? <laughs> they met together at, at the temple and we think church automatically. It wasn't the church. Imagine how complicated it was for them to meet at the temple in the name of Jesus, but they're there. And then eventually they let go of that altogether and they stopped it. And then they started to form church. As we know it. Okay? But I mean, there's some other Jewish traditions that they let go of. In, in Acts chapter 15, they let go of circumcision. Praise God. <laughs> so, you know, there were some good things to let go of. Okay? And um, it's unfortunate, but there's still a lot of Jewish traditions which some Christians hold on to, which we need to detox of. But that's not why I'm here today. What I am here today to, to, to show you is like if you look through the book of Acts, there's a lot of prayer going on. Okay? I don't know if you've ever noticed that. There's a lot more prayer than singing. (laughs) And yet in modern church, we make a big deal about singing and a very little deal about prayer. Prayer is for the special people, intercessors. Yeah? And yet uh, worship is for everybody. Like, and people will choose churches according to the type of worship that they get. Not according to the type of teaching that they get. And yet teaching is what will grow you and mature you. Worship won't. Worship is wonderful. I love worship. Okay? I enjoy it. But that's, that's not even biblical worship if you look at it. That's just singing. <laughs> biblical worship is our lives. That's another story. But what we're looking at with, uh, with prayer at the moment is that we should never approach prayer not expecting to get results. And that's not often what we hear or what we think about when we do pray. When we pray, we should be 100% expectant that we're going to get the results that we're praying about and we should get them now. That's the attitude with which we should come to prayer. Okay? You know, if we have this attitude of maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't, maybe I'll see it, maybe I won't, you're defeated before you start. You're defeated before you start. Matthew 7, 7 to 8. A lot of people don't believe this. Look at what Jesus said. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. 
knock and maybe a few doors will be opened unto you. Can you see how definite it states it? Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. But then we, we kind of qualify it and we say, you don't always receive when you ask. And we qualify by saying, when you, when you seek, sometimes you don't find. And sometimes we get people who explain like, you might knock and a door doesn't open. But it's amazing how Jesus explains what he means. Verse 8, for everyone that asks receives, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it, sh it shall be opened. So, this is showing how if we're truly seeking, we'll find. If we're really asking, we'll... Yeah, and there's qualifications to it in the sense that if we're not asking in faith, we're not going to get it. Okay, whatever it is. We'll talk about things like that in a, in a bit. But we need to pray with the attitude and the focus of, it's a done deal. That's faith. And part of it, and we've spoken about this, is that we need to have the right picture of God. And I think a lot of us uh, have experienced that we come, you might have come out of this like I have, where you have this religious distorted picture of Jesus, which uh, affects obviously the way that you pray then. It affects the way that you, 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 you live. Because, you know, the way that we view God is also going to affect the way that we live. So, you know, in order, you, you've got to know a person. In order to engage with a person, you've got to know them. You've got to know, are they stingy? Are they generous? You've got to know a little bit about their character. <coughs> you, you, you kind of build a little bit of a relationship with them before you just ask them for something, right? Is that right? Like if, you, if you're going on a mission trip, okay, if you've never done this, then, then think about it. <laughs> but like some of us have gone on mission trips before, and it's like you need to ask people to support you to go on a mission trip. And we do, we do a general ask, but if you do specific people, you've got you to know something about that person, or you've got, there's got to be some level of relationship based on how well you know that individual before you just jump into it. You're not going to go to the, the CEO of <clears throat> some big company, ShopRite, and go, hey, would you support me? And he's like, who are you? We, you know, there's got to be some basis of relationship. You don't just walk into someone's office and start making demands. You, there, there needs to be relationship. You know, if some random person walked into my study and started making demands on what they wanted for lunch, I would kind of be like, who are you? How did you get in here? But if William or Elliot, my sons, who are 8 and 10, if they walked in and said, Dad, I'm hungry, can I have a toasted sandwich? I would consider and I would engage with them and I'd be like, go ask your mom or, okay, let's go make something or can you give me five minutes or I'm sorry that you, you know, I forgot to make you something or whatever. But there would be a level of engagement. Okay? <clears throat> so there's a, there's a basis for prayer. And prayer is really, we've spoken about this, but it's relational. Prayer is relationship. It's talking to God. Do you know Him? That's a question we've got to consider. Do you know Him? Who is He to you? Yeah, why do you expect your prayers to be answered? Or why don't you expect them to be answered? Because that reveals how you see Him. Why should God respond to your prayer? Why should God hear you? 
You know, if you don't understand or know the answers to these questions, your prayer life will be very weak. And God's desire is that we would have a powerful prayer life. Okay? So of all the writers in the New Testament, James really gives us a clear picture of God. James gives us a clear picture of God. And I've spoken a little bit about this, I think, last week or the week before. I want to touch on it and build on it a bit more. But, you know, if you look, if you look in the Old Testament, the prophets and all the writings of the Old Testament are giving little bits of, of, of information about God. They're not giving a full picture of God. They're giving little bits. I've explained this uh, before. You know, so Moses writes a little bit about, of, about God and, and then Eli, um, uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah and they're all kind of giving us a bigger picture of God. But all in all, they're not giving us a full picture of God. Because the full picture of God comes in Christ. Okay? So we can only truly know God when we know Christ. Which means if you don't know Christ and you're not seeing a revelation or getting a revelation of Christ, your prayer life will also be bad. Okay, so James <coughs> chapter 1, verse 13 to 15 shows us, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For, now why is he writing this? Think about it. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. Why is he writing what he's writing now? Because the, the mindset was maybe that God tempts people. That, that you know, the New Testament writers are, are not just writing letters because they thought it was a cool idea. They were writing letters to the church to help correct their view of God. Why? Because their view of God was distorted or it was incomplete. It wasn't a full picture of God. Okay? So let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When, then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Okay, so God doesn't tempt anybody with evil, period. God doesn't tempt anyone with evil, period. He can't do that. Your struggles don't represent God's attitude. Selah. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. The things that you're struggling with, the challenges that you have, do not represent God's attitude. The challenges that you have do not represent God's attitude towards you or in general at all, ever. God doesn't put you under stress to teach you something. You know, people who teach this kind of stuff, they're making it up. Or they're misunderstanding the Bible somewhere. But no earthly father would put their child under in, in pain to try and teach them something. No good earthly father. Why would a heavenly father put you through pain and torment and misery to try and teach you something? The picture that, of, of God that's given us in this passage in uh, the book of James is, uh, is that God doesn't tempt anybody with evil period. Where does temptation come from? The person's own lust, not even the devil. Look at it. Look what it says. <laughs> so the devil might use your own, what, what's inside, what you're focused on, but he can't just come and say, I'm going to tempt, this is fictitious by the way. This is not real, okay, I'm making this up. 
You can't come to Anna and say, you know what, I'm going to tempt Anna with... I'm trying to think of something cool. Not cool, not cool. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tempt Anna with um, uh, uh, drugs. It's not cool. Drugs is never cool. I'm going to tempt her with drugs, she's going to become a drug dealer. And the devil comes and he's like, you know, and she's just like, I have no interest in that. You know, you can't be tempted with something that you've never thought about. You can't be tempted with something that you have no desire for. And why would you have a desire for something? Because you created that through a focus. You focused on something, or you opened up your heart to something, like chocolate cake, and now you can be tempted with chocolate cake because, wow, chocolate cake. You've tasted a good one, and now you can't keep it. It's like for me at the moment, pie. In our house, we're enjoying different pies at the moment. And so I've been making different pies. I think we've had three different pies this past week because I'm just enjoying pies at the moment. You know, so I made a pie for Mother's Day for, for uh, my mom and for, for Mama, and, and uh, I can't remember what other pies we've had, but we've enjoyed different pies. We've had, uh, I wouldn't get, get into that, that's not, that's not important. But the point is, if I think about pie, I want to make one. <laughs> so there's an easy temptation for me. You might think about the pie right now and not be tempted to make one at all. Because you're thinking, I don't know how I would make a pie. I'd rather just go to NJ or spa and just buy a pie. You know, whereas I would rather make a pie than buy a pie. Okay, enough about pie. The point is, is that God's not involved in this process of sin. He doesn't tempt you. Okay, He doesn't entice you or anything like that. Sin is man-made. The devil didn't create sin. God didn't create sin. But it all begins with a lust, a desire. And then when it starts to give, grow, it becomes death. Okay? If you can lust after something, and lust doesn't always mean sex, but if you can lust for something like a pie or a chocolate cake, okay, if you can lust for something, then you can also choose not to lust after something. Because it's choice. Your choices produce your actions. Your focus produces your choices. Okay, this is really helpful, and it's me it means a lot more for just prayer. But James develops this. Let's look at verse 16 and 17. <clears throat> Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens, or from the Father of lights, some translation says. And it says, He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. That last part can also be translated as, He never changes, as a shifting shadow does. Okay, he never changes. So it's an error to equate God with evil. Because if it's not good and it's not perfect, it's not God. Okay, he is good. He is only good. You know, some people would teach with regards to the sovereignty of God, that uh, God wants us to suffer sometimes so that he can deliver us. Okay, there's suffering in the world without God's help. God can't help to create suffering. But there's enough suffering in the world. He's the deliverer. He's the help in time of trouble. He's not the cause of the trouble and then the help in trouble. Because that's, that's, that's weird. But God would say, hey, 
I'm going to give you a sickness so that I can heal you. Anyway, there's a lot that we can say about that and we can get into that a lot more. But with all of this, we've got to realize that we cannot use our experiences in life to try and understand God. We cannot use our experiences in life to understand God. We've got to use the Word. The Word is how we know God. Okay, And what the Word shows us is that God is not temperamental. He doesn't change. How many of you know someone temperamental? Obviously, comp present company excluded. You know somebody who's temperamental. You can ask them one question today. Let's say, do you love me? And they'll be like, yes, you're amazing. And then tomorrow you ask them, do you love me? And they're like, I can't stand you. <laughs> you know, hey, do you know somebody like that where they're up and down, all around? <laughs> okay, God's not like that. The way He thinks about you and the, the, the thoughts that He has towards you are exactly the same always. Regardless of you. Okay? We've got to have that established in our hearts because when we've established that in our hearts, then we can pray better. We can, pray, we can speak to God with confidence and with boldness, knowing that He is good and when I pray, He's hearing me. Okay? So Jesus tells us exactly what His mission was on earth. Look at this in, in Luke chapter 9. <coughs> I, like, I, 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 I like this. It says, And when His disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Elijah did. So what happened was there was this whole town that said, Gee, the, the, the Samaritans, they did not want to receive Jesus. So they rejected Jesus, and so the disciples come to, to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, we want to call down fire from heaven so that we can destroy these Samaritans. Elijah did it. We can do it. They weren't asking Jesus to use His power to do it. They were wanting to use... They knew they could do it. They were wanting permission from Jesus to do this. Okay? But he turned to them and rebuked them and said, You don't know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so they went on to another village. So, you know, Jesus rebukes them. And he says, They are not... He's saying basically, they don't know what spirit they are of. See, this, the, the, the law, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So they weren't on the same page as Jesus in that moment. Because the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus comes to give life. So what Jesus is saying here is that God, you know, even though Elijah did this, it wasn't God. This wasn't God. Elijah called down fire from heaven. There was people coming to take him to the king. And they said, man of God, the king is calling, come with us. And you know what he says? If I am a man of God, let fire fall from heaven and consume me. And then they all got killed. And he says, fire from heaven. So how many of you have heard of, of someone saying, you know, this person has cancer and it's a gift from God. Or it, God's allowing this. I might not say gift. But God's allowing this cancer. It, that's the same thing. They're attaching a, a tag onto something and saying, with love from God. The same thing Elijah did with the fire. 
from heaven. He's like, with love from God. God didn't write the tag. Elijah wrote the tag, but he put the wrong name on it. Because, what does it say there? Look at it. It says, um, uh, uh, verse 56, For the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to? God never destroys. Never, ever destroys. And so, when we look at destruction in the Old Testament, we need to interpret it through Jesus and go, that's not God. We need to understand it better. Okay? We need to seek to understand better. And we cannot ever pray destruction. There are people who pray that. I don't know if you've ever seen stuff like that. I have. Go and go. Maybe don't go and look on YouTube. But there's some crazy stuff out there. Where people will curse people. And people will... will Christians. I'm talking about Christians now. Christians will pray against other people. I shared this. We had someone testify about it at church once. You know, we, 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 God's not in the business of causing destruction in people's lives. Okay? So neither should we uh, be. When we have a clear picture of who God is, it'll bring a boldness for us to operate in the right authority, God's authority that He's given to us. And it will produce results in our prayer life. That's what we want, right? We want results in our prayer life. But we have to have a clear picture of God then. Amen? So, moving on. We're going to go into James some more here. And what we're going to see is that when we pray, it's more about us receiving than God hearing. Okay? God hears our prayers, but the answer to our prayer is more about us receiving than it's us or then it's God hearing and going, ha, huh, I've got the, the, the prayer request of Aiden here. This prayer request. Aiden would like X, Y, and Z. He'd like to do well in his exams. Accept or reject. And you think God's got a big rubber stamp and He's going to accept or reject your, your request. It doesn't work like that. There's no accept or reject desk in heaven for your prayers. Okay? Look at it. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith and, no, and with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the, a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let no man suppose that he will receive anything of the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now this doesn't mean that women can't be double-minded. <laughs> Amen? This is talking about mankind. Okay? I enjoyed that. Don't worry. James wrote, okay, he, he's writing here, and he's saying, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives liberally and abradeth not. What translation do I have there? Who giveth liberally and without reproach. Okay? And it shall be given to him. The shell is a definite. So if you're asking, you shall receive. Okay? This is showing us, well, the, 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 the phrase, ask of God. Can you see how ask is ahead of God? It, it give is ahead of God. So what, what, what the point that it's making there is that it's the giving God. That's kind of the title that he's giving to God. God is a giving God. He's liberal. 
<coughs> in this sense. <laughs> okay? God is identified by James as the giving God. But he doesn't just give, he gives liberally. What's another word for liberally? Generously. He gives abundantly. Okay? God gives abundantly above what we could think or what we could ask or what we could imagine. James is saying that he gives generously without reproach. Who remembers what I mean, what I, how I interpreted that last week for us? Without reproach. It's saying that he's not the fault finding God. See, he's not, you're not coming with your prayer request and he's going, Ha, huh, but, Anna, you didn't fast this week. Ha, huh, but, uh, John Mark, you know, there's, there's this issue in your heart. There's this problem. He's not finding fault with us because we're in Christ. Okay? So we mustn't come with a mindset of he's finding fault with me because then you won't receive. You won't receive if you come double-minded. I wonder if he finds fault with me. I wonder if he doesn't. Does he love me? Doesn't he love me? Does he not love me? You know, you've got the little flower and you're picking off the petals. Okay? <clears throat> in order for us to receive, James says here, we must ask in faith. We must ask in faith. So this is a serious issue that a lot of believers don't think about. Now, firstly, you don't have to pray or sing for more faith. There's some stupid songs like that. That's why I have to say that. You can't ask God for faith. We're called believers for a reason. <laughs> a believer, by implication, believes. Which means there's faith. And there's many verses which say that we have got the faith of Christ. The faith of God. We've got it. So it's not a question of getting it. It's a question of using it. Of knowing it. Of understanding it. Okay? <clears throat> so... We need to come in prayer believing that we've received an answer when we pray. That's the attitude we've got to have in prayer. Yet James says when we're double-minded, we're not going to receive anything from God. When we're double-minded, when we're holding between two opinions, when we're like, I wonder if God wants this for me, I wonder if He wants that for me. I wonder if he's going to, if I deserve this. I wonder if I don't deserve this. I wonder if it's going to work. I hope it works. I don't know if it's going to work. That's being double-minded. And you know what you're, you're being double-minded about, actually? What are you being double-minded about? Not the prayer request. You're being double-minded about the goodness of God. You're being double-minded about the nature of God. You're being double-minded about who He is, which means... You're not going to receive anything. because Not because he's offended with you. But because they, you can't receive. Because look there. It says. Let's look at it there. It says. Um, let not, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Not that the Lord will give him anything. But that, the Lord, that you will receive. Because it's about us receiving from God. He's provided everything that you, you, we need in Christ. So now we need to receive. It's not about trying to convince Him. It's about receiving. Okay? You know, you've been given a, 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 the power of choice. So, although God gives generously and although He, he doesn't find fault, the, the, the responsibility is on us to receive. And that involves a bit of choice there. 
You were created and given a freedom of choice. Do you know that your destiny lies in your choices? Your destiny lies in your choices. And what you, and, and it's also what determines your receiving. Because you choose to receive or you choose not to receive. Now you might be thinking, but I'm not getting the answer to my prayer. And I do want it. You don't, in those kind of moments, it's important that we don't doubt the goodness of God. We doubt ourselves. Because most people come and they go in the area of healing. I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm trusting God, this and that, the next thing. I don't know why it's not working. Let's, let's stop right there. Okay? God's not broken. <laughs> let's look at God and say, God, you're perfect. Your word is true. I know that healing exists. I know that, that you're, you're faithful. I know that your promises are true in whatever area, not just healing. And so when, it's, when, we don't, when it seems like it's not working, go, God, I know that, that, that there's nothing wrong with your word, so maybe I don't see it properly. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't think you're missing something, God. I must be the one missing something because I haven't been around as long as you have. I don't know as much as you have. But a lot of people come rather than they go, I don't know why it doesn't work. I've done it. I tried that. It didn't work. You, so you did it perfectly. Well done. And you failed. So then I'm, I wonder why the universe isn't just exploding. Because God's not perfect then. A double-minded person is a person that wants to trust God, but at the same time they're protecting their fears. At the same time they're doubting in their heart. That hinders receiving. When we pray, we've got to believe. We've got to have faith. If we're praying to get a result, we have to be single-minded. And part of that single-mindedness is focusing in on the finished work of Jesus and what He's done for us. Focusing in on the fact that He is good and that He justifies us. Romans 5.1 says that uh, we are justified by faith. You are justified means. Justified means this, okay? It means, um, I'm trying to pick on different people now. Huh? So Amber, Amber comes to me and, she's, and she says, um, Shane, you know, uh, uh, we're having a, a, a special dinner at my house for, um, for my dad. And uh, I know it would mean a lot to, to him if you would come. So please would you come? And, and then, you know, she's now trying to justify me saying yes by saying, you know, he really thinks a lot of you. He, he really appreciates your ministry. And it would just mean the world to him. And so now she's trying to convince me by justifying, by giving me good reason to come. You see that? That's justifying. A lot of us do that in prayer. God, I need this miracle. It's really a bad situation, God. I know you don't realize that, God. But I could die. I could lose everything, God. You don't know how bad it is. Like we're trying to inform him, poor misinformed God. And we're like, God, it's really difficult, it's really tough. And then we're like, if you heal me or if you give me my breakthrough, God, then I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. We're trying to justify. We're bartering with God. We're trying to convince Him. God, you know, this would be such a powerful testimony. 
You know, if this if this happens, then 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 you know, wow, you're gonna get so much glory out of this father, <laughs> as if he, he needs uh, uh, you to convince him. It doesn't work like that. We need to realize that we're made right with God by faith in what He's done. And so when we approach Him and when we're praying, we're not trying to justify why our prayers should be answered. Because the invitation is, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Okay? And, you know, I I hope that this all raises a lot of questions for you. I really do hope so. That it kind of like, okay, but what about a prayer for this? I want a Ferrari. You know, okay, that's an easy one. It's a stupid prayer. But, <laughs> that, you know, we're going to look at those things. We're still digging into this in this series. Okay? James chapter 5, verse 13 to 15. You know, there's such a thing in the Word of God called the prayer of faith. And that's what we're going to look at now. Because the prayer of faith gets results. So we're going to look at this now, okay? And this is how we should pray. Okay, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms if he's got a good voice. <laughs> jokes, jokes. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, And the prayer of faith will save the sick. What shall save or heal the sick? Okay, it doesn't say the oil will pray will 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 save the sick or heal the sick. That the word there for save in the Greek is healed. So it can be translated as healed there. So it's not that the oil healed him; it's the prayer of faith that healed him. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. What I like about this is it's showing that when we are suffering, we should pray. When we're suffering, we've got an invitation to pray. You could say you've got a God-given right to pray. When, when you're in a, in a, in a, a, a jam, when, you, when you're in a tough situation. And we should pray. Okay? Prayer is not an opportunity to moan. Prayer is not an opportunity to complain. Prayer is an opportunity to receive from God. Prayer is an opportunity to use our God-given authority and see results. This is important that we, we see this. Suffering, in this context, doesn't always mean sickness. There's different types of suffering, right? Yeah. Whether it's sickness or not, we, we always have the right to, uh, to, to pray. Just the same way you have the right to go to the doctor or you have the right to sit on that chair or whatever, you know. You've got the right to talk to God and to ask for help. Whatever affliction or suffering comes upon you, like it's not time to get into fear, it's not time to get depressed, it's time to pray. And that should be our first port of call whenever something goes wrong, is we pray. We don't go, ah! And then panic and talk about it and phone everybody and tell them about it and, and, uh, 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 and ask them to pray for us. We pray. And then maybe ask a few people to pray for you. Not the whole church and every single person that you know and their auntie. But 
Talk to God first. Ask Him, who should I ask to pray with me here? Okay? Prayer is the place that we receive. Prayer is the place that we receive. Okay? We need to be believing when we pray so that we can receive when we pray. Prayer isn't just talking and hoping something magically happens. Prayer is using our authority, using the invitation from God to, to, to bring up a request to see a result, which means God desires there's a result for us. What I like about this as well is it shows that every believer needs spiritual support from each other. That's what this verse is showing us. You're not on your own mission by yourself. Okay, this is showing us that we, it's within the will of God to ask each other to pray for us. And we should do that. Okay? Paul, here, always, he's the one writing, or no, not in James here, but he writes a lot of the, the New Testament, and what does he say? He asks for prayers continuously in his letters. So if he can do it, we should do it. Okay? It's not a lack of faith to ask for prayer. I believe it's pride not to ask for prayer. And pride is a lack of faith. So rather err on asking for prayer. Now James here is addressing uh, 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 and, uh, the people in the church. You could say the, the ones that are growing in their faith. Because he's, he's saying call for the elders in the church. The elders are the more mature ones. Okay? Call for the more mature ones. The ones that you know will get results. <laughs> Call for the ones who have, are tested, the ones that have gone before, the ones that know something, not the ones that don't know something, because you're going to ask someone who's immature, and they're going to go, Father, if it's your will, please heal Sally. <laughs> and you're like, please don't pray that prayer for me. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Because it's always God's will to heal. Okay? So you've got to ask, so you, you're seeking out someone who's more mature to pray. Okay? And then look what it says. Is anyone sick among you? Let him, the sick person, call for the elders of the church. This is talking about humility. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And then the last part, and if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. I'm going to get there. The entire process here is called faith. Okay? The sick person calls and asks for prayer. You know, sometimes if I'm talking to someone and they're telling me about their problem, I just listen. Sometimes I offer prayer. But sometimes I'm waiting for them to say, please would you pray for me? Because that's faith. But sometimes people just want to talk about their problem, so then talk about it. <laughs> Especially if they know better. Okay? The elders of the church pray over him, anointing him with oil. This is simply like in the Old Testament, they would uh, 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 use oil-like balm, like a, a, an ointment. It's not something ma magical, okay? There's no magical powers in the oil. The prayer of faith saves the sick, not the oil. Okay, look at Mark 6 uh, verse 13. Up there it says, And they cast out many de devils and anointed them, with uh, anointed them with oil, many that were sick, and healed them. You know what's interesting? Jesus never told them to anoint with oil. They did it. Why? Because it was their custom. It was what they did. Jesus didn't tell them to do that. 
Okay, James goes with the same custom here. But it's the prayer of faith that heals. So before we, we, we go further into what's referred to as the prayer of faith, let's look at the, righteous, the righteousness aspect here. Okay, so James chapter 5. Because now we're looking at the whole book of James and looking at what it says about prayer. Look at James chapter 5 verse 16. Confess your trespasses or your faults, the King James says, one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There's a lot that can be said here. And this is where I'm going to start landing for tonight. I, did a, I meditated on this quite a bit. Because it's an uneasy ground. Okay? Sin can be a source of sickness in our lives. Not always. But sometimes. Okay, not always. Sin is always the result of, uh, uh, sickness is always the result of we live in a fallen world. But sometimes sin causes sickness. Sometimes, not all the time. Okay? When we allow sin in our lives, we malfunction. When we allow sin in our lives, we're going to malfunction because we weren't created, our born again personality isn't supposed to be like that. Okay, James is talking to believers here and he says, confess your faults. Does that mean believers have faults? It's not a trick question. Yes, we have faults. And then he says, and pray for one another that we might be healed. What's the implication? Believers can be sick. And the implication is because of a fault. So we need to kind of think about this. It's not possible to live like the devil and be powerful like Jesus. We, we, there's grace. I, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, you know, we, we need to consider this. Because the purpose of grace isn't to provide for an ungodly life, but the purpose of grace is to empower us for a godly life. And praise God for grace that has covered my sin or taken it away. But grace is bigger than covering my sin and dealing with it. Grace is supposed to empower me and I must allow it to empower me to live the life like Jesus. So we cannot seek to live a holy life and then have that as the basis for our prayers as well. Because a lot of people would be like, I'm a, I live a holy life and that's why my prayers should be answered. Ah, that's not what we're saying. Our prayers are answered because of faith in Jesus and what He's done for us. Okay? It's important for us to, to establish that in our hearts. We're not getting into performance here and saying, my prayers will get answered if I live right. No, no, no. What I'm saying here is that sometimes the problems in our lives are because of sin. James is basically showing us here that attitudes and behaviors can hinder our prayers and even give us health problems. That's what he's saying here. Some of you didn't expect that tonight, right? Yeah, just because you're a new creation doesn't mean you've lost your free will. Okay? Can I do wrong to someone? Yes. Can you do wrong to someone? Yes. Because of choice. Can you hold unforgiveness towards someone? Yes. Can someone hold unforgiveness towards you? Yes. Why? Because of choice. Okay? 
Most times, it's not the sins that we would talk about the most that are actually causing the problems in our lives. I mean, if I was to say, which sins do you think are causing problems in, in people's lives? We would name maybe the big five or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> the big seven. Sorry. But look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Okay. There's, there's, there's little, little quiet sins. <laughs> like envy and jealousy and worry. Jesus said, don't worry. How many times? And yet we choose to worry. Unforgiveness. Lies, all sorts of things. And the purpose of these things, it creeps into our hearts and it, it then um, it seeks to destroy our faith in many different ways. One of the ways is we feel like, ah, oh, we feel unworthy. We feel far from God. We don't feel like we deserve. We don't feel righteous because we're harboring these things in our hearts. So we're creating a wall which blocks faith from operating. So we need to guard our hearts with all diligence. We need to protect our hearts, what we allow into our hearts, if we want to walk in health. Divine health. Now Jesus tells people, go and sin no more. You remember that from the Gospels? Or from um, Chosen? Maybe you watched Chosen, but you didn't read the Gospels, so that's why you need to remember it from there. <laughs> He says, go and sin no more. You know, he, why? He tells the man at the, the pool of Bethesda not to go and sin again because a worse thing will come upon him. Think about that. It means that sin actually caused his condition. Some, like sometimes it's not sin. I used a reference this morning to show that, that, that sickness is sometimes for no reason. So sickness isn't always because of sin, but sometimes... <laughs> it does cause a problem. Okay? Everybody at the time of Jesus... Well, let me go to this, John. John chapter 5. Look at this, look at this. John chapter 5 verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said unto him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The passion says, walk away from your sin. This is implying... That sin caused your problem, now walk away from it. So that it doesn't get worse or doesn't come back. This man was then warned about sin from Jesus. Now I want you to notice something here. Did Jesus go to this man and say, Hey, this problem in your life is because of sin. He didn't do that, huh? This problem is because of sin. You need to have this broken off of your life so that you can get healed. We need to deal with the sin. So that didn't do that. He didn't do that. What did he do? He healed him. And then he said, don't go back to the sin. Because it will get worse. The sin that caused this. So that's what I'm saying. You don't have to go and dig up your past and go, I need healing. What is my sin? God, please forgive me. Sin may have caused the problem, but the power of God is so much bigger than that, that you don't focus on the sin, you focus on the power of God. Get healed. And then, when you know if there was something that caused this, you don't go back there. If you don't know what caused it, then forget about it. Don't worry about it. Don't go trying to dig up in the sin pile. Leave it alone, in the rubbish heap. It's been forgiven. But when you know that something caused something, 
then don't go back there. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Since we are joined, now joined to Christ, we've been given the treasures of redemption by His blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of His grace. So, He's forgiven us. Grace is available to us. If we know that something was caused by sin, then all we need to do is take hold of that forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, I'm forgiven. Because often what happens is we know we made the mistake and it caused a problem in our lives, we feel like we're getting what we deserve. And so in prayer, you're not going to be bold. You're going to be like, Lord, I know I deserve this. Lord, and then you kind of go down, down that, that kind of slippery slope. Whereas what we should be doing is going, Father, grace has provided forgiveness. Thank you. That's faith. Thank you. I take it. Even though I did something stupid and it caused this stupid result in my finances, in my health, in my whatever, I thank you that you helped fix it. You've provided grace to fix it. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, and, and then you just, you just uh, believe God. Holding unforgiveness towards somebody can prevent you from operating in faith. Why? Because inside you don't feel like you deserve it. Inside, you're not operating in the love of God. Can we agree with that? Unforgiveness is not operating in the love of God. Agape. It's not treating people better than they deserve. And so when I'm not treating people better than they deserve, I'm treating people as they deserve. I'm not operating in love. And you know what Galatians says? Faith works by love. So if I'm not operating in the love of God, I can't operate in faith. Which means I'm not going to get results. So what's the best thing that I can do to get my prayers answered? To, to be able to walk in the authority that God's given me and to be able to see results when I pray for myself or for other people. Focusing on the love of God. Focusing on agape. His unconditional love. And then what happens is... Faith will start to work in my life. Because I'll realize, hey, His love is without condition. He's not holding my sin against me. Why am I holding my sin against me? I'm going to focus in on Him and His goodness. Amen. James 5.16 there. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The, the last part there, you could translate that as saying, when prayer is effectual and fervent, it makes tremendous power available. It makes, there is tremendous power available to us, and we need to release it. We need to, to start to pray properly so we can see results. It's not the shouting person. The per person who's prayer shouting that gets results. It's not the person who's sweating in prayer that gets results. <laughs> okay? It's a prayer that is effectual and it's fervent that makes tremendous power available. And there's a lot more that we can say about this. But we focus in, and we, we, we'll get into it next week, but we need to focus in on 
His righteousness, not my righteousness. That's the first thing. We pray from the basis of, I'm justified by faith in His grace. What He's done for me, I believe it. Now I'm justified. I can approach God with boldness and confidence and pray and receive. Okay? I receive in prayer because I'm His child. And then, as a child of God who's got His DNA and His love in me, it might be a good idea to say, God, if there's something in my heart that I'm holding against someone or whatever, and you know it if you do, then you're just like, I just want to deal with this before it deals with me. I just want to let it go. I don't want to hold on to it. Thank you that you empower me with your love to forgive or to let go or to whatever. Amen? Last verse. James 5, 17 to 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So he wasn't perfect. Amen? <laughs> and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Okay? James didn't give the example of how Elijah shut out the heavens for three years and six months because he was a righteous man. Okay? He gave that example because he was somebody who was subject to weakness. And righteousness only came in after the resurrection. So, he had more problems than you and I. And yet, look at the results of his prayer. Now this is, is showing us that Elijah was a man who aligned himself with God and yet his words were as effective as God's words. Nature responded to him. He shut down the heavens, the meaning the rain, for three years and six months. Hmm? If Elijah, who wasn't even righteous, could do that, imagine what you can do. As being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because you live this side of the cross. Nature can respond to you. Because you know that you are righteous not because of what you do but because of what He has done. You're righteous because you put faith in what Jesus has done for you and freely offers you. Amen. Now we'll move on next, uh, next week to talk about faith a bit more. Uh, because we need to build on this. But Father, I thank you. Thank you, Father, for your love and for your goodness and for your faithfulness. And thank you, Father, that we, we can pray with boldness and confidence. Thank you, Father, that we can know you and that we can approach you with boldness and we can approach you with confidence and we can, we can receive when we pray. Now it's important to, 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 to know why am I asking for what I'm asking. Your motivation is important in all of this. Are you praying for your, your need or are you praying for your greed? Because, <laughs> you know, James says you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask amiss. You're asking with the wrong motivation. So, like, what, why are you asking for what you're asking for? You don't have to justify everything. But what I'm trying to show you is that, like... Are we praying in alignment with God's heart? Or are we praying in alignment 
with carnality. God is interested in our lives. And Father, I thank you that you are a good Father who desires good things for us. And so right now we just open up our hearts to hear from you and to receive from you, Father. Help us to, to this week as we pray, to pray with boldness, to pray in our God-given authority with confidence, in the name of Jesus. I just feel like there's a couple people here, as I've been speaking, you know that there's um, something in your heart that you're holding against someone and you, you just don't want to let it go. And you're kind of thinking, maybe this is something that's holding me back. And I think maybe the, 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 that this has been highlighted to you tonight because God's wanting you to be free. He's wanting you to walk in freedom. And so if that's you, I encourage you right now in your heart to say, Jesus, just minister to me now and help me just to know your love. That, that's how we start dealing with things like this. Is Jesus... Minister your love to me. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that you just let your love just flow and manifest to each one who you're dealing with this in their hearts right now, Father. I thank you that they would just be overwhelmed by your unconditional, amazing love, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I kind of see a picture for someone who, who, who this is speaking to right now. I see a picture of a lock. A lock. There's no key. There's just a lock and it's locked. And it's kind of like God's got this key and He's trying to put it in the lock to unlock this, this lock, but you won't let Him. And I believe He's given you the key to unlock something in your life tonight. And that key is to live a let-go life, not holding things against people and operating in love and receiving His love. And I believe He's saying to you, He's inviting you, He's even begging you tonight, come and just let go. Let go of that, 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 that heartache, let go of that sin maybe, let go of that unforgiveness. Not because He's angry with you about it, but because he's looking at you and he's going, that's not your portion. That's something that is causing suffering in your life. And I've got better for you. Father, I pray for whoever this is that right now, they would be overwhelmed by your love for them. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that they would really not be condemned or feel bad for what they've got in their hearts right now. But they would be overwhelmed by your love and your goodness. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just feel like God's saying to you as well, like He's empowering you to live right. You don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to empower yourself. He's empowering you to live right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
And we see in the Word that uh, we can speak to mountains and speak to problems and, and, and we can direct our faith towards the specific things. And this is what we're going to look at next week. But I really just feel like God's just saying, you know, we, we, we can use our authority now to address physical problems. And so if there's a physical problem, healing-wise now, firstly, that's in your body and in your life and you're wanting a, a change or you're needing a change, then uh, stand up and, and let's, uh, uh, we're just going to agree with you and we're going to pray for you. So if you, you're, you're standing up and saying, I've got a sickness or something wrong physically and I'm trusting God for uh, uh, healing, I'm trusting Him for wholeness, then uh, stand up. And if you're uh, seated close to someone, then just maybe go to them and just put your hand on them. Just lay hands on them because we've all got the power of God in us. Yeah, as I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the whole thing of um, healing and, and how sometimes we, we um, you know, what's one, 1 Corinthians 11 says that some people get sick and even die prematurely because they don't consider the body. They don't consider the body. That's not talking about eating a cracker. Okay, that's talking about the body of Christ, the family of God. We don't consider the fact that the power of God is in each other to minister to each other. And so right now, we, 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 I want us to just uh, agree together as we, we pray for those that are standing and just believe God for a miracle. Amen? It's His power, but He's said to us, that we've got the authority to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That we can speak to mountains, which is representative of a problem. And we can tell those problems to go. And so that's what we're going to do. So if you pray in the Spirit, you know, you pray in the Spirit, and let's just build ourselves up in our most holy faith as we, 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 we just minister to those that are standing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that your will is always healing. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak to each condition in this room, each sickness, and we say, Be God, and life and healing flow now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We agree together right now for wholeness, for restoration, Life of God, we command you to flow and restore now. Whatever miracles need to take place, we command miracles right now to take place in the name of Jesus by His authority. Be healed, be whole right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, that from this moment forward, Every word of the enemy is cut off. We cut it off and we declare freedom over each one standing. Right now in the name of Jesus. No more torment. No more suffering. In Jesus' name. This is in alignment with God's will. And so we just declare healing right now. We declare wholeness right now. In the name of Jesus. Be whole. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Pain, go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Life, we command you, manifest in each body right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We're not working this up. 
Thank you, Father. We're not trying to manufacture something. We are not trying to justify it. We know that you've provided for this. And so we just right now choose to believe and receive. In the name of Jesus, it is done. In the name of Jesus, it is done. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I encourage you, if you have been uh, standing and you've been receiving now, you know, even as you leave, you just keep thanking Him that it's done. Keep thanking Him that His power is at work in your body. And even if you feel the condition still there, just keep thanking Him that His power is at work in your body and your, His power is restoring you. His power is refreshing you. His power is renewing you. And that power is the Holy Spirit that lives in you. <coughs> Thank you, Father. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to give a moment. Let's just pray. You just uh, pray and ask God to speak to you. And let's just see if there's a word that maybe you have for, for us all. I just want to give a moment for just a, a word or two before we close. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Aiden, I just have this picture of you sitting at a desk with a calendar. And it's kind of like you, you're kind of looking at the dates and you're, you're kind of unsure about things, but you're trying to plan something. And, and you're, you're kind of like, um, and I think it's representative of your life and you're kind of like wanting to kind of put things down or whatever. And I just feel like God just saying, pause. I just feel God saying, pause and just look to Him. Because He wants to direct your steps. It doesn't mean He wants to control but it means He wants to direct. He's wanting to show you the way that you should go. And I don't believe he's, that you've seen actually what He's wanting to direct you in just yet. I don't know exactly what this means, but I just thank you, Father, right now that you show Aiden exactly the steps that he should take. I just feel like God's saying, as well, it's not for now for you to know. You need to just focus on the season that you're in. And when it's done you'll get the, the, the direction. So thank you, Father, that He'll have the patience to wait. Thank you, Father, that He will just keep looking to you and trusting you and knowing that you will give Him the next step when it's time for the next step. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Tisa, I just have a picture, two pictures of you right now. I just firstly have a picture of like Jesus just putting His arm around you. And Jesus is just, uh, with His other hand, he's, he's wiping away tears from your eyes. And then I, I see Him kind of giving you this, this flag, and I see you dancing. And I just see you dancing, and there's just so much joy. And I feel like God's just encouraging you that you're, you're uh, 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 going to experience so much freedom and joy in the coming days. He's got so much more for you. And Father, I thank you that your plans and purposes for Tisa are amazing. I thank you that her, 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 this season that she's in now is the start of a season of immense joy and freedom and peace. And I thank you that it's going to be a season of fruitfulness, Father. In the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Father. Um, I heard some. Oh, I saw someone um, trying really hard to be independent on your own, um, and just you've forgotten that God is holding you, and you aren't alone. Um, you may be independent on earth. God is with you the whole time, and you just need to remember He's your dad, and He'll always be there holding you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Someone else got a word? Go ahead. I just got the verse, Isaiah 26, verse 3, that says, You will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on you because you trust in him. I'm probably butchering it, but anyway. And then the four, um, verse 4 also says, The Lord your God is an everlasting rock. And it really is like keeping your mind focused on Jesus. That's the only way you'll find peace. And he's literally the only one who will forever not change. So, I don't know, it kind of links to what Jamie was saying, but focusing on Jesus is that peace that you're waiting for and that you're seeking, and that's the answer to it, so. Hmm. Amen. Anyone else got a word? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I also just sense that there's just like a couple of people here. It's not for one person, but there's a couple of you that are experiencing kind of tremendous torment at the moment. Tremendous torment. And it's kind of like... Um, you put on a happy face and you put on a, a good mask for public and with other people, but you haven't really told people about the torment that you're experiencing behind the scenes. It's only you and God that really knows because uh, even at night you're full of fear. You're scared to be alone. You're scared uh, 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 of many things and, and, and God's just wanting you to know that that's not what He's got for you. That's not your portion. You know, the greater one lives in you. The Bible says, greater is he that lives, that he that lives in you than he that is in the world. That means that fear doesn't live in you, but fear should be scared of you. Because Jesus lives in you. So Father, for whoever that is, I thank you that right now, fear stops. I thank you that right now, Fear stops. And I just declare freedom over you in the name of Jesus. Torment, stop. By the authority of Jesus, I say, peace be still. In the name of Jesus. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.co And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.co